the top players and legends to the very best analysts around the world from wherever the beautiful game is played. This is BTP. Now, we're talking football. Yes, hello folks, welcome to the weekly Manchester United Show. I'm your host as always, Phil Brown, of course, joined with my fantastic co-host here and every fantastic Callum uh, McFadden from uh, Football CFB. I say every sh- every week and I'll say it again, check out this guy's content, it's absolutely exceptional. Give him a follow on Twitter as well, at uh, Callum CFB, uh, or Football CFB. Callum, so much to talk about today, mate. Uh, first of all, how was your weekend? It was a good weekend, and, and just on CFB very quickly, uh, overnight reached 500,000 listeners and readers all combined, so it was quite, something that was that meant a lot to me, and, and as we say every week on this show, without listeners um, who give us their time, then it would be really, it really would be hard to grow, so um, I'm very grateful to all the listeners, and I'm looking forward to the show tonight, enjoyed the game last night, and Looking forward to talking United as always with yourself. Yes, man. Let me echo sentiments to the people that download this podcast and who reach out to us on Twitter or whatever. Uh, so unbelievably grateful to each and every one of you for your down, for your time, for downloading this, for getting in touch with us, and for overwhelmingly positive feedback to our podcast, which truly is fantastic. Um, I'm extremely grateful for all of you, and every single one of you mean something to me. You mean a lot to me. Your mental health, your physical wealth, everything, your physical health, everything is very, very important to me. Um, Tom, so much to talk about today. Uh, what we'll talk about, of course, will be the United last two games, really, because we haven't, we haven't talked about Sausage Dad either. Uh, Newcastle game. And then, of course, uh, we'll take a look ahead at some of United's upcoming fixtures. They have some difficult fixtures coming up. We'll also take a look, of course, at <clears throat> what may be happening this summer. We'll, we'll cover some of that. Some links starting to speed up now with Jaden Sancho, Milenkovic, Eunice Kunde and stuff like that. We'll talk about those. Uh, we'll also cover a couple of other controversial topics such as Anthony Martial. And, uh, we'll get our view, uh, your view on that and uh, Split's opinion and we'll talk about the Henderson and all that. So, jam-packed show. Um, first of all, we'll sort of talk about both games quickly. Uh, we don't need to spend a lot of time talking about social because that's well dead and gone. It's been a few days now. But... Solskjaer said something after the game against Newcastle, which was largely a boring game, terrible game. Until United got the second goal, uh, and and then they pushed on. Uh, it was a dreadful game. First game was first half was honestly one of the worst games of football I've seen in a long time. It was testimonial pace, um, no intensity. United didn't look like a team that had any sense of urgency. They they, they looked like a team that always felt they just they they, they could they could win that game doing the bare minimum. Um, I do agree with Solskjaer in the sense that this is one of the consequences of the Europa League. Playing on a Thursday, then coming back, playing on a Sunday. And it wasn't United's strongest team. They are missing players. Um, that seems to be a factor for other teams when it comes to uh, you know, mitigating reasons why they're not winning games. It doesn't seem to be an, an issue for United. Worst time for Van der Beek to get injured. Um, <clears throat> and uh, Cavani, of course, was a loss. But second half improved. One of the, the obviously, the big standout points was... Um, one of the big positives was, of course, the performance of Dan James. Really, really happy. How can you not love Dan James? A lovely kid. Uh, just pleased to see him score. And look, I think that was his fourth or fifth goal this season. This season, but it was the first goal he scored that was really meaningful. Where the game where United really needed a goal that'll give him a ma- massive boost of confidence. Good little squad player. It will do, and, and and we've talked about Martial, and I know we're going to come to him later. So save the chat on him for later. But when you look at Dan James and and the fact that 
this week he, he gets the chance to start against Sociedad he gets an assist he gets a goal and the big challenge is always can he do that when it really matters as you've said it's okay being able to score the fourth goal against Sociedad when the game is, is, is dead and buried almost but can you do it when it really matters well he starts he starts yesterday and on on Twitter as you know with any United lineup there's there's ums and ahs from from certain fans who are happy with certain inclusions and not happy with others and I think it's safe to say there was a lot of people thinking oh, I don't really think Dan James is the man for this sort of game are Newcastle going to sit deep and look to frustrate United and if so is he the sort of player who is is best at exploiting a team that sits back but to be fair to him yesterday I thought he was lively I thought he um, tried his best. He, he gets a goal, which is, is is going to give him great confidence. And and what I like about Dan James, love him or loathe him, he always tries his, his best. He's always got his heart in the right place. And he came out after the game and, and he had a few interesting quotes where he basically said, "For whatever reason, it just hasn't happened for me recently. I've had to take a deep a deep look at myself. I've had to speak to the coaching staff and get advice from them and guidance from them." So. Hearing those quotes after the game made me very happy for him as a as a human being, first and foremost, because when you're in your, your day-to-day job and things aren't going the way you want them to, it can be frustrating and you do question yeah. yourself an awful lot. And, it, and it, it's testament to his character that he's been able to dig deep, have a really positive week, not only in Europe, but also in the Premier League, as you say, scoring that goal when it matters. And, and that's what you want to see. A squad player um, shouldn't just be content with being a squad player. Yes, when everyone's fit, Dan James probably knows he's more often than not he's going to be on the bench. But see if you get an opportunity, come in and take it and make sure that you give the manager a selection dilemma because any manager that we've spoken to, Phil, always tells us the same thing. Mm-hmm. It's so much easier to manage when you've got selection dilemmas than when you've got the opposite and it's maybe 13 first-team players that are fit and maybe some younger players that deep down you know aren't ready because then you're in the catch-22 of do I throw these young guys in who aren't ready and and, and potentially put them backwards? But when you've got guys like James, who's an international footballer, who's looking to start more games and making an impact like that, it can only be a a positive for, for the player individually but also the manager and the squad as a whole because to win anything and to and to progress as a club, you need a strong squad. So fair play to the lad. Yeah, I mean, look, he cautionated next to nothing, right? Uh, and Solskjaer was saying something that I also thought was quite interesting. And this is this really is a point that needs to be made because he almost wanted to put the words back into his mouth when he spat them out. And the, I don't know if it was broadcast over there, but it was broadcast over here where he was talking about Dan James. And he goes, look, you have to understand, Dan James came from... the, And he didn't want to say he came from the championship but he had already spat it out pretty much, so he had to finish the sentence. But what he's basically telling you is the level from Swansea to Manchester United, the gap is big, right? So there was course holes in his game, gaps in his game. The United, in the past, have never been able to iron out. They've always lost a player. They've never improved. Very rarely did you see players come to United and improve and also show the willingness to improve and accept you're not going to play until you do improve. So... United have, have now got a coaching structure in place that is getting the best out of players, that is improving them. And also, when you see the, the likes of Luke Shaw, what that tells other players is trust the coaches, trust the process. You will improve. You will become a top player if you do what we tell you. Right? That's very, very important. That's an example to other players. That's one of the reasons why, obviously, there's a, the, the, the devil and Luke Shaw has created more chances than any other left-back in the league, which is just truly outstanding. Um 
And to me, and for my money, is the best left back in the league on form right now. No problems, no questions whatsoever. Uh, that is an example to all the other players, and including the other players that have improved under uh, Solskjaer's tutelage and under that coaching, uh, because we haven't seen that in so long. So um, that's encouraging for the likes of Diallo. It's encouraging for the likes of you know Mason Greenwood, and of course young Shoratiri, uh, uh, who you know, did, by the way, looks uh, he looks about thirteen, <laughs> but uh, absolutely wonderful moment um, to come on and, and at the weekend we'll talk about him, of course, but. Um, yeah, I think Solskjaer's talked about how important it was for Dan James to get to, to develop his game, which I think he's done very encouraging. And uh, great to see him off the score sheet. Now let's talk about Anthony Martial, because here's a guy that I look at and I think to myself, he is someone that needs to have a serious word with himself, because he's at a really pre- uh, 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 he's at a precipice in his career, and he's at a, he's at this point where. We really should be seeing close to the finished article. And Anthony Martial at times has shown breathtaking talent. And he seduced me at times with his form. And I thought there's a world-class footballer in that kid. Um, but I can accept bad performances that happens. right? And maybe it's just on, maybe it's unfair analogy on Anthony Martial, but he just doesn't look like a player that's desperate to be a professional footballer, that's desperate to be the best he can be, that's desperately hungry for success. And in a, any other previous year where you didn't have a pandemic, and we'll talk about what's going to happen this summer, because you might not like this, but um, Anthony Martial's future will be in doubt. But there's nobody to buy him. And this is, this is a really dangerous place for Martial to be in because... He, like Luke Shaw and my money, needs someone to spur him on, right? Um, <clears throat> you know, so when I look at Andy Martial going, that's a player you're never going to have a problem with. Lukaku was desperate to leave because he wanted to push on. Look, look at well, how well he's done. I would argue that Andy Martial has more natural ability than Romelu Lukaku, but, but, Andy, but, but Romelu Lukaku is a much more effective player. Anthony Marshall really needs to have a serious word with himself, Callum, because his return this season, 31 games, 7 goals, that's not good enough. And if you look at his previous records, 48-23, best season last season, and fell off a cliff. And what's really concerning about that, if you look at his previous best season, which was his first season, he scored 17 goals in 49 games. The following season, he scored 8 and 41. He's got 7 and 31. A lot of similarities. Following season, 11 and 45, 12 and 38 games, 23 and 48 games, 37, 31. That's not consistent enough. We should be seeing every year those numbers improve. Okay, injuries and what have can happen, but it, I have serious concerns about how badly Anthony Martial wants to be a world-class footballer. I agree with you, and one of the things that frustrates me greatly about Martial is there was a lot of talk for a period of time um, when Ibrahimovic came in and took the number 9 jersey Martial was given the number 11 is he a wide player, is he a centre forward and he was was very honest that he wants to be a number 9 he wants Mm -hmm. to play through the middle he now gets that number 9 jersey back and and not even just in a symbolic fashion he gets to play through the middle which he's came out on record as saying he wants to play, he wants to be a striker he wants to showcase that talent well, see, when you're given that opportunity at a club like United, you have to grasp it. And he's not he's not done anywhere near enough to, to grasp it. If you look at the situation in the summer, Phil, and we talked about this, and I know um, a lot of people have now been proven wrong with Cavani. You and I were more pragmatic with him, Hugh, and said, 
experience-wise, he's what will be the, the, the sort of guy who will he, he will de- he'll develop the likes of Greenwood and Rashford. And even if he doesn't contribute an awful lot on the part, off the part, he can be a great influence. But obviously, he's done it on the part. But when, when you looked at that situation and the fact that Cavani came in so late, that was a perfect opportunity for Martial to really put his foot mm-hmm. down and say, I'm the number one striker here. You might be someone who's won major trophies across Europe, but you're going to have to take my jersey because I'm the Manchester mm-hmm. United striker and I'm I'm in position at the moment. Unfortunately for him, he's not been able to do that. Cavani doesn't play at the weekend, as you say, and, and people say it's unfortunate that he wasn't playing, which if I'm Martial would irk me, I would look at that as, 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 as definition enough that I need to pull my socks up and fast because you should not be in a position where you've been given a start for Manchester United at mm-hmm. home against the likes of Newcastle and others, teams that United should realistically be beaten, and, and not looking bothered. Then, of course, looks can be deceiving, and I'm sure if you were, if we were to speak to him, he would say, look, no, I'm trying my best, I'm, I'm desperate to succeed. Maybe he chose it the different way to the way you and I would, but sure. he's just not contri- he's not contributing enough. You look at Dan James and the parallel between both of them this week is stark. Dan James comes in, he's got a lot to prove, as, as I mentioned with the quotes earlier. He mm-hmm. talked about having to deeply analyse himself and where he was and what he had to do to improve seeking advice. Marcel needs to do the same and quickly. You're right, he's probably going to be saved this summer by the fact that it's a buyer's market. And out with the major clubs in, in, in England, potentially Italy, Spain, because I know France has got a problem with their TV deal, so I'm not expecting much business there. You're looking at it and saying he's probably going to be at United for another season, regardless of the form between now and the summer. But it shouldn't—he shouldn't see that as like it doesn't matter. I've got next season. He should see this as I want to go into next season as the number nine, as the guy that people can finally rely on. Because it's something that was said about Jesse Lingard, and both of you and I are delighted he's doing so well at yep. West Ham because he's a talented footballer. A lot of people said with Jesse Lingard for a long time, and from a footballing standpoint. He's a, he's a really young player, he's young, he's young. And then eventually he started to realise, well, he's 25, he's 26, he's, mm-hmm. he's not as young as you think. And Martial, for me, is starting to have that problem. You can only you can only say that the player is young and inexperienced for so long. When you've played hundreds of games of football, when you've been given regular starts in the Premier League for a team like United that do create chances, you simply have to do more or you can't be relied upon as a starter for years to come. We, we've said this for a number of weeks now. He needs to take the bull by the horns and showcase to Solskjaer and, and the staff that he can be trusted. If he can't be trusted as the number one striker, he needs to look at it from Daniel James's point of view. It's not going well for me at the moment, but and, or I'm not in the team yet. He can't he can get himself into a position where he writes himself off because I know for sure the staff won't write him off because he's got the physical attributes, he's got the natural talent. Mentality-wise, I would love to get an insight from him into how he's feeling at the moment. Because as you say, we can only take body language at face value, but it, it doesn't look particularly great. Whereas you've said numerous times, Phil, in the first 10 or 15 minutes, you're looking at him. And after 15 minutes, he sort of shrugs his shoulders as if ah, it's another one of these days. Like, next week will be fine. And there's been too many of next weeks. He needs to do it now. And if he can't do it now, he's going to be in big trouble at United in the next 18 months because... They won't be able to carry him. They won't be able to carry anyone. If you look at this current Man City team, if you look at the mm-hmm. PSG team that were good in the Champions League last week, they don't take passengers because if you take passengers on your side, you aren't going to go anywhere quickly. Well, and this is the thing. I look at Martial and I ask myself, what motivates you? You know, I look at, for example, I, I, 
But let's put it like this. If Andy Martial is in the form he's in last season, United are still in the Champions League. I have no doubt about that. Those misses against PSG, I know the Freds had sent off stupid, but the misses against PSG were extremely costly. Right? So and and that's this is another problem with Martial and that the one of the reasons why I would even start I would continue it start start Mason Greenwood ahead of him every week because when Mason Greenwood isn't scoring goals, he's still impacting games. He's still beating players, he's still creating, he's still causing danger, he's still effective. When Martial, you forget he's playing. You're out Oh, because he's just so ineffective. And I, I ask myself, what motivates him? I look at, for example, Kylian Mbappe. His French teammate goes to Barcelona, scores a hat-trick. What does Erlen Holland say next day? That inspired me. That motivated me to go out and do the same. Right? Why isn't he Martial looking at that and going, I want to be just like Mbappe. I want to go to Barcelona and score a hat-trick. I want to go and affect big games. I want to be PSG teaming from my homeland, I want to remind my French uh, viewers or b- citizens who, you know, I'm in and out of the French team, that I'm still a world-class player. I want to prove it also to uh, some of my teammates in, uh, in the PSG team that I play with in the French national team. What motivates him? Because I don't, I don't see anything, I don't see him desperate to turn his form around. I don't see him, okay, if you're a striker and you're not scoring goals, you have to be impacting games. And I know strikers judge themselves on their goal scoring return, right? But you have to be be making a difference. And I take a look at the body language of Cavani, right? He's all over the place, runs around like a lunatic, right? His work ethic, incredible. Move off the ball, his, his pressing, everything is perfect, right? Um... What you want in the football. I'm not saying everyone has to be the same, right? And some of his fans will defend him, and that's fine. But in life, no matter what it is, it's almost always down to your own choices whether you succeed or fail, right? When Anthony Martial, how does he live off the field? I don't know. You know, how, how is it? Success is usually found in the small details, right? Because the talent is unquestionable. You know, he's good enough to play at the top level. We don't. We know that talent gets you there. We've seen that, but. Being a consummate professional is difficult because there's a reason why so few people become world-class. It's very, very hard to be a consummate professional. Some of the abuse that he's taken is despicable, right? Unacceptable. Unacceptable. But Anthony Martial is the master of his own destiny. If he feels at United, it'll be entirely down to him. And if he succeeds, it'll be entirely down to him. This is the thing that I say about lots of players. Cristiano Ronaldo would have been the best player in the world no matter what club he played for. And Ferguson helped, but it was him. He was the one in the gym at 7 a.m. before everybody else. He was the one that chose to live like a professional off the field. He was the one that had the insatiable desire to be the best in the world. If you don't have that as a professional athlete, it doesn't matter how good your coaches are. It doesn't matter how good your facilities are. It doesn't matter about anything. Because ultimately, just like the pitch, and I'm, you know, I'm a big boxing fan, the ring, the pitch, that's the moment of truth. That's where we find out where everything, we often say a fight is one in the gym, right? Well, footballers, what we see on the pitch is a result of what we see Monday to Friday and how they live their life, how they prepare, how they train, everything. So for me, big, big questions that he has to answer. And what I would be concerned about from Marshall is just what we have said, okay, United, you know, he's a bit fortunate there's a pandemic. However, there's a lot of good young players coming through at United in his position. And Amar, 
could very easily take that position. Mason Greenwood could very easily take that position. I think that he needs to be very, very careful about being complacent. So for me, um, big question marks the answer for him. And the fact that we're sitting here, Callum, talking about United being the top goal scorer in the league. And he's got seven goals. Again, that would concern me. And uh, Cavani has eight starts for United, six goals in the Premier League. That's an amazing return. Um, <clears throat> let's uh, let's move on. I want to talk about um, uh, the De Gea Henderson situation. Samuel Lockhurst, who is exceptionally well connected at United. Uh, I can tell you that, whether you like him or not, he is. Um, wrote an article that said, and I, and I said at the start of the season, I took some criticism for this, and I never understood why. And we talked about this last last week's show too, that <clears throat> one way or another, De Gea or Henderson was going to leave the football club this summer because neither of them was going to accept being second choice. I feel you need to have to be very careful here because Henderson is a natural successor to De Gea and they can't afford to lose him because it could be years before you get someone of that calibre. And David De Gea is not the goalkeeper he was. If you look at where United's problems are, it's in defence. And I think at some point, if I was if I, if I was Solskjaer, I would play Henderson over De Gea. I think he's the better long-term solution. I think he's probably, you know, he's, he, he, he helps with, with, with domestic quota. He knows the club inside out. Uh, he's not perfect, as we talked about before. But nor is De Gea. He's the up-and-coming keeper. De Gea's on his way down for me. De Gea could probably do with the move himself. Um, but again, how do you sell a player on 300 grand a week or thereabouts? It's going to be very difficult. Um, but um, Henderson, you know, is on good money too. And these are the situations United are going to find untenable because we talk about some of the feedback I've got from the club um, uh, a little bit later. But um, United, as you can see over the over the last year or two, are cutting costs, right? So that situation will have to get resolved in a few months. What would you do with it? If it was up to me, I, I would echo your view. and I, I'm not just saying that to agree with you for agreement's sake, I promise, but I think when you look at Dean Henderson, he's a young up-and-coming goalkeeper. He's got a season of Premier League experience under his belt at Sheffield United. When he's came in and played for United, he's looked good in most games, but at the same time, um, he has to be given a run of games to really know what he's about because a goalkeeper at <laughs> that position out of any position is, is hard to judge on sporadic appearances. As a goalkeeper, you need that rhythm. Uh, you need to build that relationship up with your with your back four. They need to build that relationship up with you as well, of course. And and I think he merits the opportunity to get a run of games between now and the end of the season. I think if United let him go without giving him an extended run of games, I think it's a wasted opportunity, if, I, if I'm being brutally honest. Because if you let a player like him go, as you've alluded to, Phil, you would have to pay an awful lot, most likely, in, in maybe two or three seasons if you wanted to bring him back. Crucially, he's homegrown as well, which helps with the with the quota um, in regards to the Premier League for all elite clubs, United being one of them. So I think he has to be given an opportunity. He clearly is a confident young lad, but I don't see that as something that people should uh, pin towards him in a negative way. I think he needs to be confident. I think you need a, I think you need a slight level of football arrogance to play for a top of course. club. I don't, you, you don't need... I don't mean arrogance. What do you mean? There's nothing wrong with that, mate. You know? Yeah, I, I th- you, a swagger. You need, you need you, yeah, absolutely. You need to be able to. You can just imagine him if he was given an extended run of games, mm-hmm. 
and he has a good few displays thinking shoulders are puffed out, chest puffed out thinking I'm United's number one and I'm not giving this up and that's what you need but I, I feel for the lad in the sense that if he's not given the opportunity to play an extended run of games I think it's going to be very hard for him to prove he's United's number one there's only so much you can do in the odd mm-hmm. competition because at the end of the day if United's centre-backs had a shocker in the Europa League for instance touch wood they don't of course and Henderson's not at fault for the goals and they go out. Because he's the so-called cup goalkeeper, people will say, I oh, didn't do enough in the cups. But I don't think that's a, a fair a fair judgment of him. I think he needs a run of 5, 10, 15 games if possible so that you can really get the mark of him. How does he command his defence? How does he how does he command the team at set plays? Because at the end of the day, United have shown time after time this season that at set plays they're vulnerable. So... I would like to see him get a run in the team. I would like him to be able to... If I was Solskjaer and I was a staff, I would love to be able to just say to him, look, you're a confident lad, you've got that swagger as we've talked about. Go and show us that, that, that it's realistic. Go and show us that it's not just powder puff. Go and show us that's what you are and that you're made for this club. Because he's a sort of, he seems like the sort of guy from the outside looking in that if you give him an opportunity, he'll grasp it. At Sheffield United, he was so highly regarded they were desperate to keep mm-hmm. him. Obviously, they couldn't in the end. So... For me, he needs to be given a run of games before United consider dispensing with him because at the end of the day, if you don't give him a run of games and he leaves and joins, I'm just obviously speaking from the top of my head here, if he was to join an Everton or he was to join a, a Fiorentina or whoever it may be, and he goes on to be an established number one who, who's got that swag and has got those performances, a lot of people, including those at the club, I imagine, would look in a year's time thinking, we've not made the right choice here. here. So I think they need to give him the platform to play and then it make, make an informed choice from there. De Gea's not going to last forever. Van der Sar didn't last forever, albeit, to be fair to him, he tried. Schmeichel, yeah. none of these top goalkeepers last forever. They've all got a ceiling. I know people say, oh, goalkeepers can play to the 40. That's true, but not all goalkeepers can do that. And, and, and everyone has a different ceiling at a different time. So if I'm United, whether it's Henderson or whether it's someone else, you need to be looking to the future. Because as I say, De Gea's not going to last forever. You've got this kid in the club. He's on a good contract. He's potentially going to be England's number one if he can get a run of games at United and play well. So for me, he's got all the carrots there at his disposal to say, go and earn it and show us what you can do. And I think if you don't do that and let him go, you'll regret it. But as I say, it's up to the lad himself. If he gets the chance, he needs to grasp it. But as I say, to, to round off, I think he's a sort of he's a sort of guy when you just watch him and his mannerisms that I think, if given the chance, he'd fancy himself to take it. Well, I also think that both De Gea and Henderson, well, either one of them, if you sell either one of them, you're going to get a decent fee for them, right? And I still think goalkeeping is such an important position that top clubs will spend decent money on on, on a De Gea. De Gea is still, for me, you know, maybe maybe 5% drop from what he was, but he's still, you know, if you're another football club, you'd still take him in a heartbeat. You know, and I just fear, I just wonder, not fear, I just wonder if United were made a decent offer, say 40, 50 million, I think they'd be tempted to take it. I think they'd look at that with De Gea. Uh, I mean, they've got a goalkeeper holding up with substitutes. <laughs> so why not? Uh, why not get rid of another one? Where did Lee Grant? Um, but uh, if you look at the situation in United, um, I think that's where they're looking to cut burn. Obviously, Romero will go, right? If he's not, you know, it's... So, you know, they've got rid of the likes of Marcus Rojo. I think, they'll obviously, they'll sell Jesse Lingard in the summer, which is good for them. Um, and so, I think, given the, the financial state of the football club right now, 
a decent offer for De Gea, I think United would take it. And I think they'd be right to take it. Because you got to look at it two ways. you got to also look at the fact that you're getting those wages off the, the wage bill. 300 grand a week there, thereabouts, is a lot of money. And I don't think David De Gea is a £300,000 a week goalkeeper by any stretch of imagination. Uh, and I, 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 I think that's a fair point. Yeah, I think um, that's very fair. And, and just, just sorry to come in there, Phil, I think for, for De Gea as well, he's been at United for a long time. He's been very successful. He's won Player of the Year awards. He's won trophies. There's probably part of him deep down, if you were to ask him, that I think would would probably look at a fresh challenge in a positive way because for him, he's not played in his native Spain for a long time now, consistently since he left Atletico Madrid. So, so why not? Why not um, go back to Spain if the opportunity's there? Go and finish your career in your your homeland, retain that number one jersey for your country, and everyone's a winner. He'll always be highly regarded at United, even if he leaves mm-hmm. this summer, let's be honest. I agree, I agree, I agree. Um, so, a uh, couple of other talking points, of course. Um, Charlotte Thierry makes his debut at the weekend. Uh, couldn't be happier for the kid. Exciting young prospect. He's only 17, right? Uh, if you look at this kid's um, career, you know, he's playing in UEFA, UEFA, uh, UEFA League, uh, Youth League at 14, which is just staggering. He's clearly an unbelievable talent. You do not get to Manchester United's first team unless you are an unbelievable talent. If anyone who's played youth football and has gone through the levels knows how good you have to be just to get to United's academy first of all and to then rise above that level to get into that first team, especially at 17, I mean, you're talking about potential generational talent. I want to be fair to Shorotiri and not put that type of pressure on him, but that's the type of ability he will have shown at United to, to impress the coaches to get in to that first team. Um, and so, very, very exciting. I I know lots of fans want to see him given more time, more time, and I do too. But United know what they're doing when it comes to pushing these youngsters on. He's made his Premier League debut. It's amazing, something he'll never forget. And... Uh, I'm very, very excited. We'll probably see more of him uh, against against Sociedad, although Solskjaer's already said neither Shorateri nor Ahmad will start against Sociedad. Uh, Van der Beek and Cavani are possibilities, so we'll see. And I I know fans again want to see you know, to play these kids, but these, these are big risks, right? And you have to be very careful. And I'm, I go back to the uh, 99 season. When people were talking to Ferguson saying, just play the youth team in the FA Cup third round, right? And what Ferguson was saying, we're in the process of building careers here and not ruining them. People don't understand how damaging it is for young players at 17, 18, if they go in and they get their arses handed to them, right? If they lose heavily. It's very, very difficult to then get that kid psychologically back to a place where they believe they're good enough. So you have to be very careful about how you manage their careers and you do it gradually piece by piece by piece get them more familiar with that level more familiar and obviously the more games you can play them in where there, there's not no negative consequences the better so they'll get more time on Thursday um, but um, and obviously with United's game at the weekend the Chelsea away if you listen to what Solskjaer was saying after the game against Newcastle I would imagine he's going to rest players for the Chelsea game so we'll probably see a number of changes made, but uh, I, I I agree with with Solskjaer and his approach where you don't want to start these kids on Thursday. Maybe I would I wouldn't be 
totally against Diallo starting and Diallo, but certainly natural Terry. I think that's spot on, and, and you're right. United know when to, to blood the young talent and when to just be cautious because as much as we want to see these young talents start and play well for United, there are large platforms out there who, if one of these kids was to play and were to have a poor game or, God forbid, get a red card or something, you Great know, point. We, we saw the young we saw the young lad at Southampton. It was a terrible challenge. It was over exuberant. Now, I'm not saying one of these young kids would do that, but you just never know. A game of football, anything can happen. Imagine that's to happen. There would be, unfortunately, people with large platforms who I don't think would use them responsibly enough to say, these are young players, uh, give them time. You would see, oh, hothead, not good enough for United, ill-disciplined, blah, blah, blah. And I think that's something that, again, as I mentioned a few weeks ago in the show, Solskjaer, because he's worked at youth team level, is naturally empathetic. He's always worked with younger players. That's how he made his way in the game before he went to Molda and Cardiff and obviously now at United. So he's got experience of managing young players in their formative years. So he knows how to handle them. And I think that's something that all the young players at United should see as a real positive. There was a situation, as you know, at the, the club this week where obviously Nicky Butt had to be on the bench for the game. And and I think that's another good, a good sign. I know obviously Nicky Butt's a sort of go between, I believe, between the academy and the first team as well as, as doing other roles at the club. And having guys like Solskjaer and Butt in those roles is absolutely ideal. And I think that's something that you can see with the young talents coming through. They can see a clear pathway to the first team. They know that they've got a manager and technical staff at the club who have been in their position. I mean, look at Nicky Butt. Nicky Butt epitomises um, youth players that had to be patient, but when they got the chance, they could take it. I know people talk about the class of 92 and it never, could never be done again, but Ferguson put them in just at the right moments initially in League Cup games before he then said, right, now's your time, go and grasp it. So they've, they've got the staff there that have been through the journey. They know the journey. And, and as I say, I think seeing them off the bench at the moment is probably for the best. But in terms of Ahmad, I totally agree with you, Phil. I think there will come a point before the end of the season where he'll start a game or two. And if he plays well like Greenwood did when he got in, there's no reason why he can't go on to, to start week in, week out for, for a period of time before the end of the season. But as I say, I think United have got the perfect um, staff and the technical side of the club to know if and when that's the, the case for both of them. But I have to add just one last thing in terms of Shola making his debut. I was born in 1995, so it takes it takes a lot for me to feel old at this moment, to be honest. But he, he was born in 2004 and... When, I re- when you realise that, for me, that's probably one of the first times in my life so far I've thought, <laughs> wow, I'm old now because this kid is born nearly a decade after me and he's making his debut for United, you know, I mean, I'm, I, my heart just goes out to him in a positive way. I was just so proud. I, was, I don't know the lad personally and I'm not related to him, so God <laughs> only knows how proud his family are. But that, but, but my age, as I say, I've been born in 95 and seen someone who's born a decade after me making their debut for a club like United, that it just highlighted to me what what it takes mm-hmm. to get there. Because as footballers, we all played in the field, and you'll know this yourself, growing up in, in Belfast as well, there was always a kid who played football with you that was 10 times better than everyone else mm-hmm. and probably didn't go on to be a pro. So I always think back to those kids and think, God, how good must these kids be at yep. 17 to be put into a Manchester United first team game in the Premier League? So... Good luck to him, and I love stories like this, and I love, I love the DNA of United in that regard because I always it's something that annoys me with modern football. Sorry for the mini rant here, oh, but I, I think academies should be producing players regardless of a club size, 
And that's something that clubs like Chelsea and Manchester City haven't taken seriously enough in recent years. I know they've got Foden, there's others coming through mm-hmm. now that you could see will bridge that gap. But every football club has to have a progressive way to the first team. Because if you don't, yeah. what's the point? I just I think you need to build upon local players, but not even local players. Young Shoulders obviously a job. But I think you need to look at players that, that have been given a chance from a very young age and, and progress. Because when they progress they will give you so much in return because they'll be so grateful for the opportunities, they'll be so grateful for the coaching, they'll be so grateful for the relationships you've built with them and their family. So I think that's something that most clubs, especially in the Premier League, need to wake up and smell the coffee towards because when you give young footballers a chance, it's amazing what they can go on and do. There's so many examples of it and I'm just delighted that United have always put it at the forefront of their philosophy for decades yeah, it's definitely something that I love about uh, Manchester United is I want to see our young players get a chance. And I, I know different people have different views on this. I've always preferred United to give our young players a chance before they go out and spend money. Um, you know, I, 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 I'm not getting into the stupid arguments about uh, your Glazer apologist, which is just utterly insane. Um, you know, somehow these uh, log accounts have um, nominated Jose Mourinho as their white knight, which is utterly bizarre to me because I think there's probably very few things Mourinho cares less about than the Glazers and Manchester United is, pro- is one of them anyway. Um, but um, I, it's been keeping the traditions with a football club because I like to see our young players give a chance. Take a look at the young players we've brought through this academy over the years. So we've been so fortunate to watch Scholes, Giggs, George Best, Duncan Edwards, you know, all these amazing young players. You know, they've been so fortunate to get to be able to watch. Um, you know, and the list goes on and on. We could be here forever talking about them. You know, um, so thank God that that is a tradition at this football club and it's something that's going to be more and more important as we go forward. It does look like optimistically we could have fans back in the stadiums next season with uh, Boris Johnson's uh, rollout plan to get out of lockdown so it's encouraging um, I badly, badly, badly miss fans at events mate and I've gone through this weird period where in the beginning it took a bit of adjusting getting used to and then I then it felt perfectly fine it felt normal but for some reason the last recent time I've it's been really disappointing I've, I've, it feels like it, it's just a, a damp squib spectacle you know I was watching the big five the weekend for Shelton Valdez a fight that normally would have had you know, 15,000, 20,000 screaming Mexican fans would have had to add so much to the keys. And, and it just felt like it was a fight. It was an event that was held in the back of someone's club where no one was there, no one cared. It was an amateur event. And sometimes, I, I you know, this ridiculous assertion that United fans would be on Solskjaer's back for playing the most negative football when they're the top goal scorers in the league... <coughs> um, is, is bizarre to me, but uh, United would also benefit heavily from having those fans, and that's a factor, that really is a factor, it's a factor in Liverpool's dem- demise too, there's no question, you know, Liverpool fans would have lifted them, but there, there, there you go, um, hopefully we get fans back, and it's also important financially for the football club, the football club, uh, so so let's talk about transfers this summer, mate, <clears throat> because um, lots of people linking United with different players, uh, Jadon Sancho, course, uh, primarily linked, talked about the transfer poker already going off, um, centre-backs, Milinkovic, Kunde, uh, being linked United, uh, right-wingers, what have you, uh, our strikers, I think there has to be some realism here, okay, um, I've spoke to people at United, they've lost over 100 million in this pandemic, 
Now, of course, juxtaposed with the ownership model, that's a serious problem. The idea that United are going to go out and sign a centre-back, a marquee centre-back, a marquee striker, a marquee winger, is just not based in reality. That's not realistic and that will not happen. So what I can see happening, some of this also depends on what, on who gets sold. If United can sell a couple of high big players like Pogba, De Gea or something like that, where it generates revenue, then of course you could see a bigger outlay. But if not, if they don't have big sales over the summer, I have my doubts that Jadon Sancho will become the Manchester United, especially right now United will look towards the development of Diallo and Greenwood as the long-term solution right, to, to that right-wing position. I think if they have to prioritise someone over the summer, it'll be a centre-back. But unless they sell, don't expect big signings to come this summer. I, I, I hate to be the guy that bear bad news, but all the feedback that I'm getting from people who would know is, hey, the club have lost a lot of money in this pandemic, over $100 million, and the links that are out there just aren't realistic. I think, as you've said, Phil, it's important to, to, to be the bearer of truth. It's not always going to be pleasing to hear, but that's just the reality of society, and, and football isn't exempt from that, I think. I made this point um, a few days ago when I was asked about the sort of financial impact. Manchester United have been affected as much as clubs like a Barrow or a Bolton, and that might sound insane to people listening to this, but Manchester United have got 75,000 people at their games every single week. At the moment, they now have zero. That That's going to affect a club on a monumental scale. United make over a million pounds per home match. So you consider all those games that have been played without fans. That really that really does hit home how much money has been lost. And you will get, again, hate to mention them, these, these uh, certain accounts that will say, oh, brilliant, no fans means no money for the Glazers. That's nonsense. Manchester United and every single football club needs to have fans not even from a financial point of view, but from a support point of view. You referenced clubs earlier on at Liverpool. Obviously, I live in Scotland. Celtic this season, a club that's renowned for their fans, have been horrendously poor on the pitch. And I think they're suffering a lot without fans. That's not the be-all and end-all of why a team is struggling. Obviously, there's more facets to it, but it affects teams. And United have been very good this season. You mentioned the goals they've scored. It would be even better if fans were there to be able to see it and drive them on even further. But in regards to the transfer market, as you say, it's going to be a buyer's market. But a buyer's market doesn't mean, like football manager, you could just go and sign the best five players in the world because you've got more money than others. Everyone's been affected. And I think you're going to have to see, and you probably will see at the elite level of football, some some deals been done that are maybe cleverer than usual. And, and what I mean by that is the deals we normally hear in the papers and maybe scoff at when it comes to player swaps, etc. I think you actually might start to see more of those deals. I'm not mm. saying United will be directly involved with them, I'm not saying that, but I just think when you're looking at clubs at the top level, you think of a club like Barcelona that are in need to strengthen, they probably don't have the financial financial muscle to mm -hmm. go out and, and get a player out of a club, so they're probably going to have to use what they've got at their disposal and bargain and, and try and trade, uh, almost like, like an American-type style uh, business, just to try and freshen things up. For United's point of view, as you've said, if you're going to if you're going to prioritise a position, I think we would all agree it has to be centre-back. Of course, we've been hypercritical on the show of certain positions like holding midfield, right-handed side of midfield, a number nine long-term to replace Cavani. 
But if we could only get one for the real, because of the the realistic parameters of the transfer market, then centre half would be that priority. Absolutely would be, and that's something that I hope the club do prioritise. What I would say though, in terms of selling players, look at Lingard. Lingard has went to West mm-hmm. Ham and he is ripping it up. Come the summer. I don't think it's just West Ham that will want Jesse Lingard. I don't think he'll necessarily come back into United's plans. I think that's been gone. But come the summer, he's playing well. He could be a dark horse to get into that England squad. If he gets in there and has a decent show at the Euros, you might recoup a a far better fee than than you potentially thought. You mentioned the goalkeeping situation. Obviously, you don't want to lose any of them if possible because they're two very good goalkeepers. But if you have to lose one of them and you get £50 million, that's £50 million back into the pot during these tough times to invest in wages or invest in a direct transfer fee. So I think you're, I think you were, you were, you're spot on. It's important to sell before you buy for all clubs this summer. I know Liverpool have complained about that uh, and FSG have complained about that particularly this summer. Daniel G, football lawyer, I spoke to him uh, last night for an event and Daniel was saying that Liverpool only played £5 million up front for Thiago and only £7 million or thereabouts up front for Jota. So that shows you that clubs like Wolves, who were the selling club in that regard, don't really have the normal financial clout that they would have to say, no, we want 50% up front. If they're willing to take £7 million up front, it shows you that a lot a lot of deals this summer are going to be done in a slightly different way. You're going to see them amortised over the player's contract, which is normal, but probably to more of an extreme rate where it's equal across the full breadth of the contract rather than a higher proportion up front. So mm. I think that's something that United and others will make use of. But as I've said, with players like Lingard and De Gea, if you move them on, if they're playing well, move them on when the iron is hot. Pardon the pun, Wilson, with Lingard at the irons, but move them on while, while it's hot and try and get those fees in and recoup and, and spend uh, um, as soon as you can in an efficient manner because this summer, as always, I know I mentioned it last week and I'm repeating myself, but with a major tournament on the horizon, get your business done early. Don't let it linger on because a player has a good Euros and an extra thirty, forty million pounds is thrown onto his price tag. Do it before the tournament if you can and build from there. Yes, man, I completely agree. And, you know, what we could say in reverse is maybe the pandemic makes the likes of Andy Martial and what have you more gettable because maybe you know, it would be more open to accepting lower offers for players that in previous years they wouldn't. Um, so you know, there's another way of looking at it. I agree. I think um, you know, you know, it's not a tenable situation to have two keepers that are really two starting goalkeepers on two starting wages. That's just not good business. Right? I, so the, the, when I look at where you're never going to cut the burn, I can see that happening. Jesse Lingard, like we said, um, and, and possibly one or two more. Uh, obviously, one of the big debates at centre back is is who's the best centre back pairing. To me, Eric Bailly has to be in that centre back pairing. And Danny Higginbottom talked about it out here at the weekend. I completely agree with him in the sense that Lindelof and Maguire are too similar, right? Their strengths are too similar and their weaknesses are too similar. Maguire, for me, at fault for the goal at the weekend. It was poor, poor defending. Uh, should have been cleared. Should have cleared that ball out. You cleared danger, first of all. You don't hit the ball back into danger. Um, the players he have been linked with, Milinkovic, like I said, Fiorentina and Kunde. One of the things that um, is a bit bizarre to me, neither of them are left-footed centre-backs. They're both right-footed centre-backs. The talk has been, once again, that they need a left-footed centre-back. Now, Milinkovic is not lightning quick. Milinkovic is a ball-playing centre-back defender. Uh, Kunde is too. But neither of them are particularly quick. Oh, Kunde's quicker. Uh, Milinkovic's not. So um, I I just don't see either of them being a, an option. 
uh, unless you know, like you say, a number of players are sold. So it'll be really, really interesting. I could see possibly Juan Mata being moved on this summer. Hasn't played enough. You know, he's on a decent wage. You know, Phil Jones, if it's to be believed, has picked up another injury, which is just unbelievable. Uh, should never have been. Surely there's some sort of protection in that contract you know, with, with the guy's injuries. And by the way, I'm not going to criticise him because I feel, feel terrible for him because he's lost his career. And I don't base my sympathy on how much money someone makes. It means nothing. Um, so I think, like I said, the, the message to take away from this summer is. Be let be realistic. Um, I do not see United going out bring, bring, making big marquee signings this summer. If they do, it'll be one. Um, uh, I think it'll all depend on whether Pogba goes. It all depends on those big money seals. Um, and if there's not a lot of seals, player seals, then temper expectation. Because I don't think you'll see much. Uh, mate, finally, uh, United are 14 points ahead of the same stage they were last season. 17 more goals. Is this a United under Solskjaer that's still progressing for you? Um, for me, I've, I've been I've been honest and open about this. I think United are progressing. I think this summer the club have to help Ollie in progressing further because I think with this current squad, if I'm brutally honest, Philly will reach a ceiling um, if there isn't investment. And I think that ceiling will be reached come this summer if you don't get that centre-back that we've talked about because... I think last year when United finished third, let's be honest with you, given the situation pre-Bruno Fernandes, nobody, nobody, not even ourselves, uh, in, in the happiest mood on, on any given day would have predicted United to finish third. But they did. They uh, performed well and, and a lot better towards the end of the season when Bruno came in. I remember that counter-attacking goal at Brighton as a particular highlight. And they've continued that on this season. It was a tough start, let's be honest. It was a very tough start. People were speculating after a couple of games that, Ollie won't see Christmas, he won't see October, he won't see this, he won't see that. He's went through all those milestones. He's got United playing good football. He's he's got United scoring goals. He's given us a United team that we want to watch. And we talked last week about United competing on all fronts. Look at that performance against Sociedad. And and I know there might be some listeners, and maybe not in this show, because our listeners are informed and informed well, but you might get some naysayers that say, fuck, it was only Real Sociedad they were playing. I read an article before that Sociedad game and obviously with the power of hindsight it's given me a chuckle. Um, David David Silva is the Maradona of Sociedad and he can destroy United again. Well, that did not happen and that's a, that was a game, albeit it was in Turin. There was a potential banana skin for United. Sociedad have had a really good season in Spain. Silva, of course, is a phenomenal player as we all know from his time in the Premier League. They passed that test. They've crucially given themselves another game against Sociedad where they can afford to make more changes. Last week I alluded to using the squad in a, in a, in a balanced manner. I think there's certain players that we mentioned, your Fernandes, your Rashford, um, who who really need to start week in, week out because of the, the quality that they bring to the squad that maybe other players can't. So those players started the game against Sociedad. You get that sort of result, but now you're in a position where you can maybe afford to rest them from the start and call on them if you require them. And, and, and Solskjaer deserves credit for that. He got the balance spot on. He trusted Tellez over Sean that game, which which was good because Tellez needs those opportunities and, and he, he took his opportunity well. And then you've got Shaw who comes back in against Newcastle uh, and, and plays as well as he has done all season. And, and I agree with you now. I mentioned Kieran Tierney in a previous show another week. He got absolutely ripped by Mares at the weekend. So I'm taking my Scottish hat off and putting it in the bin and <laughs> I'm going full on the look Shawcat now for that. But 
In terms of in terms of Solskjaer, yes, he has progressed United. Can he continue to press progress United? Absolutely, he can. But he also needs a little bit of support from the club. I know it's tough times. I know we've talked about how tough it is going to be. But if you can prioritise one position for him, a key position in a centre-back, I think my plea to the club would be, please do it, because the man has earned the right to be backed and given the opportunity to deliver next season for United. Now, we've talked about needing a trophy. I think if he doesn't win a trophy this season, he'll still be given next season. I do. And that might be an unpopular opinion. I don't know. But I still think he'll be given next season regardless, as long as he finishes in the Champions League this year. And if he does... My advice is back him and, and let him try and take United on because nobody could have foreseen that United would overtake Liverpool in the way that they have. People talk about Van Dijk and no crowd and how poor they've been. You still have to get the results. You still have to go out there and do it. It'd be very easy to to, to look at their results and think, oh, we're probably going to have a tough time as well. They've not. They've had tunnel vision for most of the games this season, which any team needs if they're going to be successful. They've progressed as far as I'm concerned. The standard of football is better, in my opinion, this season. Um, could it get even better? Yes, of course it could. We're hypercritical as as supporters, Phil. We, we want the very best for our team and we won't, we won't rest in our laurels until we get the very best for our team. Um, but I think he's, he's earned the right and, and, and I believe that he is the man to take Manchester United forward into another season worth backing. You back him in the summer, the pressure's on him next year to win a trophy or make a real dent in a competition, get to a semi-final of a, a Champions League or whatever it may be to earn the right for another season. But as far as I'm concerned, he's heading in the right direction with the club. You back him, you give him the opportunity and then you evaluate it in 18 months like any top elite business would do and you say, can we progress even further than where they are with the person in charge? Yes, right, let's back him again. Or you say no, you part company in a mutual way and you bring someone else in to take it on to that next level. Look at Everton with Carlo Ancelotti. Lots of people said they'll never get top four. It's too ambitious in the current market. They go out and get a, a coach of Ancelotti standing, which for them was absolutely massive. He comes in and takes them on to that next level. So I think in the next 18 months, things are healthy for Manchester United. Things are healthy for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. It's all in his hands. He's got a good squad of players at the moment. He's got good young players coming through. A little bit of backing. And, and why can't he take Manchester United forward? I haven't seen I haven't seen anything from him this season that says he can't take United forward. I don't buy into the, the, the hype that you need to go out and get a so-called name of a coach to take United on any further. I don't buy that at all. Solskjaer gets the club. He's got the club playing the best football since Ferguson went, in my opinion. And he deserves the time and he deserves the backing. Couldn't agree with you more, Matt. Um, you know, I, I, it's such a polemic topic for me. You know, you, my views are based on what I see. There's times whenever Solskjaer deserves criticism, and I criticism, cr- criticize him, and then all the all the end people are like, "Oh, you you didn't say it last week." Yeah, my views are fluid. They're based on evidence. They're not based on uh, narrative. They're not based on being a, 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 a fan of Solskjaer, no matter what. It's based on evidence. So, therefore, it will be fluid. Therefore, it will change. And my overwhelming feeling is Solskjaer stays in. But I'm not sitting here saying that he doesn't... Uh, he's, he's absolutely flawlessly perfect. So, therefore, there are no critiques or criticisms. Um, and just because I do criticise him occasionally, which is which not, not as common... It uh, doesn't imply, doesn't mean that I want him out. And uh, and when I, you know, I'm very 
complimentary towards him. It doesn't mean I'm, you know, completely obsessed with him staying. So uh, I think he is moving it forward. There's no question. And um, you know, just to finish up on that quick topic about whether Maguire or Bay is the better centre back parent. Something from the Manchester United fan page on Facebook. I want to give them legitimate the credit for the source. Harry Maguire and Eric Bailly started together since the start of 19, uh, since 2019 20. Um, 16 games, 13 wins, two losses, one draw, nine clean sheets. Now, those two losses were 6 1 Spurs and 3 1 Chelsea. Um, I, I think. Um, that's a very impressive record. Folks, we'll go ahead and leave it there. Don't forget, check out this young man's content here at Football CFB. Uh, thanks for all the downloads, likes. Don't forget to follow myself, at Malakans and uh, Callum, I've mentioned, and our podcast page, at Beyond the Pitch. Uh, lots of good content coming up here soon. So thanks to each and every one of you for all your downloads, likes, everything, folks. Take it easy. Cheers, Callum, mate. Take care. All the best. See you, mate. Bye.